you're here in our midst. And I thank you that you're not done with us yet. But God, right from the beginning, we want to say that we're all in. We're not going to second guess it. We're all in for you, Jesus. We love you. We're so thankful for who you are, what you've done and what you're yet to do in this space. know my name is Grace. I'm married to Nathan who sat over there in the in the corner. We actually have known each other our whole lives since we were babies. We grew up in Sunday school together. So look around you. You might be uh, you might be looking out for your future spouse. We got married about three years ago. We have a gorgeous little dog called Bailey who is a cockapoo. So if you know Andy and Laura's dog, it's kind of a miniature version of Archie. He's very cute. And um, and also, you do already know that I was homeschooled and I like bird watching in my spare time and skipping. How fun. Um, but what I want you to know from me tonight from the offset is that I'm all in for Jesus. I'm absolutely all in for Jesus. I live my life on the daily for Jesus. And you might ask me why and I wasn't, I wasn't planning to, um, to share this tonight. In fact, um, this afternoon while I was preparing to talk to you guys tonight, I felt like God say, I want you to go off script. I don't actually want you to take up any notes onto the platform. And so I haven't. I've just got my Bible here with me. So we're going to see what happens tonight. But I'm excited. Are you? I'm excited. Um, But I chase after Jesus because I I believe he's alive and he's in the habit of transformation. He's transformed my life from the inside out. And I know he's in the habit of transformation even now. Just uh, two days ago, I was sat with a friend and she was telling me about two of her friends. They, They got pregnant. They were very excited. They went to, uh, to the hospital to have a scan, the 12-week scan. And the doctors uh, were brought into the room and they explained to this couple that this baby only has half a brain. The body's formed, but the, the brain is only half developed. It's only half there. And so they were told just a week later they would have to come back in to talk about what that would mean for this particular couple. This is just two weeks ago, just in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, they went back to their church and they said, this, listen, this is, this is tough. This is difficult. We're heartbroken. But would you pray? Just pray for us. And this woman that was carrying this child had a, a real sense of peace, an overwhelming sense of peace that doesn't make sense. But in the Bible, it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He gives peace to us in situations when it doesn't really make sense. And so three days later, three days after they told their church, they told their church family the situation, she went in and the doctor scans and the baby is fully developed, fully formed. The brain is there. I believe in Jesus and I chase after him wholeheartedly. I also chase after him because of guys like Brandon who I met just a few months ago, and he came on a weekend away similar to this, not having a clue who Jesus was. To him, he was a curse word or an historical figure who he'd learned about in RE. And then he comes on a weekend away similar to this, and he starts understanding and hearing about this Jesus. 
And that actually he was a, he was a, he was a, a man, a real life man that walked around this earth over 2,000 years ago, living a life that we couldn't live, a perfect one, but dying a death that we deserve to die so that we could be reconciled completely with God. And over the, the two days, Brandon's life totally turns around. On the Saturday night, he makes a full commitment and says, Do you know what, I'm all in. I'm all into chasing after Jesus. The next day, he comes and finds me on this weekend away and says, I'm, I'm just ready to go back to church. I'm ready to get totally immersed and totally involved. This lad had come from a really broken home. Years of abuse that he'd suffered. Pain that needed to be worked through and is currently being worked through with people in his church and, and counsellors. But actually, he came away on that weekend and his life was changed from the inside out from the inside out, because Jesus is in the habit of transformation. I do this because of people like Doug. I met Doug um, about three years ago. He lives in the Wirral, and I met him at an event, a Christian event, where I was speaking, and he came up to me at the end, and he uh, talked to me a little bit about his life, a little bit about his story, and he, and he said to me, Grace, I'm going to go back home. And I really feel like God has stirred my heart to start a youth service on a Sunday night. And I'm going to go back home and I'm going to get some of my friends around me and we're just going to go for it. Will you pray for me? About a year later, we meet at the same event again and I so happened to be going to speak at this church and this particular service a few weeks afterwards. And we're chatting and he's really buzzing about it. He's really excited. And just a few weeks later, I get to the church and I walk in and there's about 90 people, 90 young people in this church building. How many did they start with? 15. And all these young people have come from their schools and their colleges because they've just invited them. And they've come into this church and some are saying, yes, I'm all in for Jesus. Others are saying, do you know what? I'm interested. I want to know a little bit more. I'm not, I'm not totally sure yet whether I'm all in, but I, I want to I say it's a healthy maybe. I chase after Jesus because he's in the habit of transformation. I chase after Jesus because he's in the habit of transformation. Before we get into it, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you're looking good tonight. Now, why don't you turn to the person on the other side and say, you're looking all right too. You're looking all right too. There were three girls. They went to a school, a school on the south coast. And uh, they were in high school. They were in year eight. And uh, they'd gone on a weekend away similar to this one. And they'd gone back from this weekend away absolutely buzzing to start a group in their school where people could come and find out about Jesus on the weekly, like a Christian union, but like a, a bit cooler, but a Christian union, like a Christian group they would put uh, kind of, you know, put, put on every week. And so these three girls go to their head teacher and they knock on this head teacher's door uh, on Monday morning as soon as they're back and they say, can we just come in and have a chat with you? So the three girls sit in front of the head teacher and they say, we'd love to start a Christian union. We're all Christians. We go to a local church. We've just been on a weekend away and we really want to give the school and our friends an opportunity to come and hear about who Jesus is and for us to lead it. And the head teacher sits back in his chair and he says, I'm really sorry, girls. I'm really sorry. Um, we've had some issues uh, here before. and I, I'm not a Christian. But in fact, I'm an atheist. I, I'd find that really uncomfortable if you started a CE. So I'm going to have to say no. And the girl in the middle of the, of the three, she, uh, 
She's got a cheeky grin. And she has a hair in an updo. And she's got a bit of va-va-voom about her. And she goes, um, please, please, sir, I, I don't think you understand. We're really passionate about this. We really want this to happen. And he leans in this time and says, girls, I'm saying no. It's my final decision. So this girl, all the three stand up, and this girl in the middle with a cheeky grin, a hair and an updo with a bit of va-va-voom, she, she goes towards the door, and just before she opens the door, she turns around and goes, it's okay, sir, but we're going to pray that you either allow us to run this CU or that you leave. Have a good day. And before he could respond, they were out of there. <laughs> anyway, um... About three months passed, and these girls are praying every single day that either he would allow them to run a CU in their school or that he would leave. He gets up on a Monday morning. This is a true story in, in the middle of an assembly and says, um, I've been here for 20 years. It's been an incredible 20 years, but it's time for me to retire. It's time for me to finish, and I'm going to be leaving the school at the end of the term. These girls have gone, are going crazy. They're like, oh, my word, it's work. And so anyway, skip forward a few months and this new head, te head teacher comes into position and, and on the first day of her first week there, they, they knock on the door and, and they, open, they open the door and she says, oh, come on in. And they sit in front of her and they say the same question again. They say, we're Christians and we go to a local church. We really want to start a Christian union in our school so our friends can find out a little bit more about what we believe. Uh, we'd love just a room and, and, and just a little bit of time over lunch. Uh, is that possible? It's her teacher. She, she looks back at them and goes, goes girls, I've just started this position. I really appreciate your passion. The, the school that I've just come from, they had actually a real issue with the student union. A few hiccups uh, happened along the way. And so I'm going to have to say no. And so you've guessed it. As they walk out the room, the girl with a cheeky grin, the hair and an updo with a bit of va-va-voom about her, she goes, no worries. But miss, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray two things. Either that you let us run this CU in our, in our school or that you leave. This woman is like choked up. I've just started. About four or five months later, this head teacher gets up in front of the whole school assembly. And she says this. Me and my husband didn't think that we could have children. But I am pregnant. And so in a few months' time, I'm going to be leaving uh, to, to take, uh, take care of my baby. And I actually decided I'm not going to come back because I, I really want to be a mum. And, and, and we didn't think that was possible for us, so I'm going to be leaving the school. These girls are like, are you joking me? So these, uh, these three girls wait eagerly wait for this head teacher to come on in and after a few months this new head teacher arrives and you've guessed it on the first day they're knocking at the door and, and the, the girl with the, with the cheeky grin and the hair and an updo with a bit of a boom she's first in there she's like sir you better allow us to start a Christian union in this school because you don't want to know what happened to the last two and he says girls I go to the local Baptist church I'd love you to start a CU. Will you tell me when your first CU happens so I can be there? And hey, we as a school are going to give you a little bit of money so you can get pizzas for the first week that you start it. Are you joking me? And you're telling me God ain't real? This 
this is crazy talk. This is crazy talk. And you see, they were passionate about chasing Jesus. They weren't going to take the first answer as a no. They kept praying. And I believe that God is faithful. I believe that God is faithful. And he saw those three girls and he saw their passion and their va-va-voom. To start that seeing. I wonder what God wants to birth in you guys tonight. Over this weekend, what he's stirring on the inside of you. We're going to look at uh, Daniel 3. So if you've got your Bibles on you, would you... Open up to Daniel 3 for me. And um, in Daniel 3, we come across this story. I'm going to give you a little bit of context and a little bit of the story, and then we're going to pick it up later in the passage. Uh, Daniel is in the Old Testament, so you've got 66 books in the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And tonight, we're going to be looking at Daniel 3, Daniel chapter 3. And a guy called Daniel, what a shocker, has written this particular book. And, um, And in this particular story, there's a king. And he's the king of Babylon. He's called King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, basically, he thinks a lot about himself, so much, in fact, that he uh, orders for a gold statue to be created in honor of him and, and people to worship this gold statue as a sign to him of how much they respect him as king. And so we are going to pick it up a little bit later in the passage. But basically, he calls all of the officials, all of the government officials, all of the people in the land, all the Babylonians, to come together for the unveiling of this gold statue. And he says, when you hear music, lots of music play, you are to get down and you are to bow to this statue, to this gold statue. Anyway, word spread around pretty quick, and this group of wise men called the Caldrians, and they were basically officials, like government officials, but they were wise men who would often, um, often advise the king on different matters. Well, they came to uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and they said that there's, there's these three guys that we know of who are saying that they will not bow down to this gold statue. And the king had said, if people refuse to bow down, they will be thrown into a fiery furnace. They'll be put to death. And so these wise men go to King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, we know that they are, there's these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the three of them, they absolutely refuse to bow down And worship this gold statue. Because they say they believe in the one and only God. The one true God. So we're going to pick it up. If I can see. In chapter 3. And verse 16. And so Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego have been brought before the king. Okay. And the king has said. I'm going to give you an opportunity. To bow down. Before this gold statue, or else I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered to the king, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in this fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. 
Nebuchadnezzar, his face purple with anger, cut off Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace fired up seven times hotter than usual. He ordered some strong men from the army to tie them up, hands and feet, and throw them into the roaring furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound hand and foot, fully dressed from head to toe, were pitched into the roaring fire. Because the king was in such a hurry and the furnace was so hot, flames from the furnace killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to it, while the fire raged around them. Suddenly, King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm and said, didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into this fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, I see four men walking around freely in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar went to the door of the roaring furnace and called in, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the high God, come out. And they walked out of the fire. They walked out of the fire. I want to tell you tonight that chasing Jesus requires a response from us. Chasing Jesus causes a response from others. And chasing Jesus evokes a response from him. I grew up in a Christian household, um, but when I was eight years old, that was the moment that I said yes to Jesus, I'm all in. But rewind a couple of years, when I was five years old, my mum was once driving on the way to work and um, she was in a really serious car accident. Some of you may have heard this story before. But she was in a really serious car accident on the way to work and her car flipped over three times, smashed into a tree and she was left there for four hours. While cars drove back and forth thinking that's all it was, just a wreck and there was no one inside until a taxi driver had a sense that he should stop. He got outside of the car, walked over to the car, looked inside and found this little, found, found my mum in a really bad way. And so um, she was airlifted by air ambulance to a local hospital and I'm really thankful to say that she made a full recovery, but she'd broken her neck. It was a really serious injury, and it took months to recover from. And, um, and in, my, in, my, in, that, in that moment, as a five-year-old girl, just fear and hopelessness and anxiety and worry just absolutely set in. And that made home in my heart. And so any time I was out, out of my parents' care, I, I would uh, often have panic attacks. I'd often be found in the, in the toilets in the school as just a little five-year-old girl, just really overwhelmed with emotion, often not being able to really process what I was even feeling. And then when I was eight years old, I was invited to a local church. Now, I grew up in church. In fact, this one. I was born in the church that you guys go to now, and, and I, I was there for the first few years of my life. And so I knew a lot about Christianity. I, I knew all of the stories, but... I went along to this church service with one of my friends and I heard about Jesus for the first time and it felt like it settled. That Jesus lived a life that I couldn't live but died a death that I deserved to die and that God had created me for a purpose and for a reason. So that night I went home and I just said a prayer in my, in my room at home. And I remember just uh, looking into the night sky and thinking, maybe, just maybe there's a God. And maybe, 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 just maybe he loves me. And maybe he wants a relationship with me. And that night, I said yes to Jesus. And, and let me tell you that my life didn't just, it didn't just click and, and my life was sorted. 
Because Jesus doesn't say, come follow me, it's happily ever after. That's, that's not real. That's like Disney. That's fairy tale. But he does say, you will face trouble. You will face fear, but do not, over, do not fear because I've overcome it. And I'm with you always. And so my life in, in that moment absolutely changed and turned around. And I found a home and a family and a community of people that believe the same thing as me and inspired me to just chase after Jesus and to say that I'm all in. I believe that chasing Jesus requires a response from us. Requires a response from us. And maybe you've already responded to Jesus and you've said, I'm all in. Or maybe for some of you in here tonight, you're thinking and contemplating that very question. But for me, it came down to this. C.S. Lewis is a phenomenal writer and he's, he, uh, he wrote the, the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And he, he writes in one of his other books and tells the story of how he, from an atheist, became a Christian. And he said that he came to this conclusion that Jesus was either mad, he was crazy, he was bad, he was a trickster, a fraudster, or maybe he was exactly who he said he was. And for me, that's what it came down to. As I read the Gospels, as I read about Jesus, as I heard about him, I started to understand that he was, for me, exactly who he said he was. I believe that chasing after Jesus requires a response from us. A few years ago, I met um, one of my best friends, Lottie. Uh, I was uh, 18 at the time. She was 17. And uh, we, we met at college. Um, in fact, I was walking out of college one day, and I felt like God said to me, you need to go and speak to the girl on the steps. Now, that sounds weird, maybe, for some of you. For, for me, it's not an audible voice when I say that. It's often sometimes just a feeling or a thought on repeat that I can't shake. And, and so I just kept going back to this thought as I was walking out of college. You've just got to go and speak to the girl on the steps so I just introduced myself and she introduced herself and we ended up talking for a couple of hours we went on to the we went on to walk to the to the bus station got the same uh, bus we didn't we didn't actually live too far away from each other and there started a really wonderful friendship we bonded over our mutual love of tea and biscuits and and so our, our friendship really started there but the big difference was I was a Jesus freak she would call me and she wasn't And I remember just over the years, Lottie starting to chase after what the world says will give you love, acceptance and belonging. She chased after it in relationships, in success, in work, in the the best grades that she could get, in the way that she looked. And let me just say for a second, none of those things are wrong in, of them, in and of themselves. But actually, what, beca- what it becomes dangerous when we start putting our value in those things. That because of the way that we look, we're worth something. Or because of how good we are at any given subject, that that gives us worth. And so I saw this this girl who became one of my best friends. Just her life begin to really spiral. And I would tell her about Jesus and I would talk to her and I'd pray for her and I'd invite her to church. And she came with me and it felt like she just left the same person. And year upon year upon year, I would just try and do what I know how to do best. Just be the best friend that I could be. For me, being Jesus to people is just putting them on display in you every day. And that's what I just tried to do through the way that I spoke, through the way that I acted, through the way that I used my time, through the way that I spoke to her, the way that I made choices. 
She came on an alpha course, which is a, a course that some of you may have heard of. And, and it basically asks big questions around faith. She actually went on three and still didn't become a Christian. Year after year after year, just praying, hoping that one day, God, she would come to know you. That she would just stop chasing after the, what the world says will give her worth, will give her esteem, will give her purpose, will make her happy, will give her a future. So what she began to find out was all those things were fairly superficial. Just before Christmas, three days before Christmas, I receive a text from Lottie. And it says this. Hey, babe, hope you're doing really well. Tonight, I went to a church called All Saints as they had a reflection service on. It was a really beautiful service and lots of time for thought and prayer. But I want to share with you tonight that I prayed with a lady called Margaret. And I've prayed for Jesus to be part of my life and to fill the black hole that I have. I'm ready to walk the journey and experience life with God. It's going to be tough at times, but I want to thank you for being part of my journey since I was 17. I'm really believing in me and loving me no matter what. It's time for me to discover Jesus and to figure out who I am and what he has in store for me. Isn't that amazing? That's nine years of being a friend. Put God on display in her every day, in my every day. Do you know what? Since she's a Christian, she can't stop talking about Jesus. Jesus literally, she doesn't shut up about him. And, and, so, and it's kind of annoying jokes. And so anyway, she um, is on a plane the other day. And she sat next to somebody. She's going to um, a work conference in the Netherlands. And uh, she just starts talking to this Muslim guy uh, about Jesus. And she it finds out that he actually lives in Birmingham and invites him to the Alpha course that's going on at our church in Birmingham at the moment. And then literally when she was there, she was meeting with a few different, few different um, people that she, she knew in, in, in work. And, and, and they, they had noticed a bit of a change about her. And so they start asking her questions. Like, something's different about you. You just, you just appear different. She's like, let me tell you. I know Jesus. And they're looking at her like, you're a wacko. She's like, no, 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 seriously. Seriously. And she starts telling them about Jesus and what he's done in her life. Because you see, when you discover Jesus, he changes you from the inside out. He changes the way that you appear. It changes the way that you speak, the way that you act, the way that you use your time. Because you start to understand why you were truly created. And what your purpose truly is. Because chasing after Jesus requires a response from us. But chasing after Jesus requires a response from others. It causes a response from others because they want to know what's different. They want to know that there's something, there's something different about you and I want to know why. At that same college, 10 years ago, and I'm coming to land, um, same college 10 years ago I was studying performing arts what a shocker and um and I was there for two years and I loved I mean I loved all things performing arts but I was the only Christian in my year group for those two years 
and it was flipping hard. But I remember saying, Jesus, when I followed you, when I signed up to follow you, I, I, I signed up to be a fool for you, a fool for the king. And, and, and I'm ready. Whatever it takes, I'm ready. And so every day, as I walked into college, I just say these words. Jesus, help me be more like you today. And so it required a change in me. I decided that I wasn't going to swear. Sometimes messed up on that. I decided that I wasn't going to go out and get drunk when everyone else did. I decided that I wasn't, I wasn't going to go around the back of college and, and take drugs every Friday because that's what they did. I decided and I made choices due to the fact that I put Jesus first, that I was chasing after him. And I'd love to say to you that my whole class within the first two weeks were on their hands and knees giving their lives to Jesus, but it didn't happen quite like that. It was pretty brutal. In fact, one, um, one day I remember walking into the canteen and, and they all knew that I was a, I was a Christian and, 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 uh, and they walk, I walked into the canteen and, and there was this lad standing on a, on a table, and it was one of the lads from my year, and, and he, uh, he was always one of, the, you know, one of the lads that liked a bit of a laugh, right, but didn't quite know where the line was, and, and uh, there's this one day we, we came in, and, and he was just standing on the, this table in the cafeteria, it was full, and he just had a tea towel, and he, and he, and he wrapped it around his waist, and he, and he positioned his, himself into a kind of a crucifix, and he said this, oh, Grace, I'm Jesus. Why don't you bow down and worship me, hey? And so he had a bit of a laugh that egged it on and on and on. And so that's the kind of thing that I was facing on a weekly basis. Little digs, little jokes here and there. And I remember I came to the end of this two years. I'd worked so hard. I pretty much kind of nailed all of my exams thus far. And, I, and this, was a, this was a moment where we could all audition to be part of the, the end of year musical. And, uh, and I got leading lady. Woohoo! And uh, I was so excited about it. And I remember sitting down with the rest of my year group and the director. And we sat down and we opened up the, the script and we looked through it. We looked through it and I, and I remember getting to like halfway through and there was a sex scene in this script and I was like, there's, there's just no way I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in a, in a scene that's inappropriate like this. And it, it wouldn't have shown too much, but there was a lot of innuendos and I, and I, I remember thinking, I've worked years for this and it's just a small part of the play, but I need to, I need to lay it down. And so I remember standing up in front of my whole year group as a 19-year-old. And I said, I know you guys don't get it. And I know that most of the time you actually just take the mick out of me, out of me for it. But you know I love Jesus. <laughs> I'd also I'd always use the word that he was my number one homeboy. And I think I, I used that. I said, listen, he's my number one homeboy, as you guys say. But listen, I can't do this play. I'm not prepared to to do that scene, and, and it is due to my, my faith, and, and I, I don't want to expose myself in that way, and I, I, I'm not prepared to do it, and I remember all of their faces, they didn't cheer or clap or say, oh, well done, they just didn't get it, I had three messages that night, 
from three people in my year saying, you don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve a space in this musical. You don't deserve to be auditioning for drama schools because you're not prepared to give everything to do this. And I remember just sitting there thinking, how ironic, because I'm prepared to give everything for Jesus. Even when it costs, even when it feels like I'm in the fire, I'm prepared to give everything for him. And I remember a week later, my director brings me into the office and he says, I've never seen anyone stand up for anything in that way. He said, I'm an atheist. I I, I don't believe anything that you believe. But I've never seen anyone stand up like this before. I've spoken to the staff team. We're taking out the scene. You could do the play. Because you see, he is with you even in the fire. And so when we chase after Jesus, it requires a response from us. When we chase after Jesus, it causes a response in others. But when we chase after Jesus, it evokes a response from him. And his response was, Grace, I see you. I made you. I created you to be. I know everything that you're facing. I see the way that you stood up, the way that you publicly even declared it, even when it didn't really make sense. And I'm going to honor you for it. And even if I hadn't been able to do the play, I still would have done it. Because it's worth that much to me. No one became Christians in the two years that I was at college, even though I prayed for my whole year group, day after day. It was hard. It was really hard. And then two years ago, Lottie, who I've just told you about, was in a local gym. And a girl called V walks in, called Vanessa, but we called her V. And she was in my, she was in my class. She was in my year group. And she was one of the, the kind of ringleaders, as, as you were. She was, a, she was funny. We got on. We were good friends at the time. But she would always just take the mick out of me. Always. All right, you're going to give us some Bible bashing today. You're going to dunk us today. You know, she would just totally rip in, kind of daily. And we'd have a laugh about it. But she had wanted nothing to do with it. And then two years ago, she meets Lottie in the gym. And she says to Lottie, do you still know Grace? I can't, I can't find her on Facebook. And she's like, you're a bit of a stalker. Anyway, so V says, no, 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 no. I, um, I know that sounds weird, but I just I need to get in contact with her. And Lottie's like, oh, well, I know her. She's recently got married. That's why her name's changed. This is her name now. Like, can I help you? Like, we're still really close friends. And she's like, oh, um, I became a Christian last weekend. And I'm, and I'm getting baptized in a couple of months, and I want to tell her about it. And Lottie's like on the treadmill, like, what the? At this time, she doesn't she want anything to do. She's, she's like, what? So, yeah, uh, yeah, I know it's going to sound weird, but I became a Christian, and my life's been totally transformed and changed from inside out. And, and I want to thank Grace. I want to thank her. Because even when it was difficult and even when we used to take the rip out of her on the daily, she always pointed to Jesus. I want to thank her that even when I wasn't ready to listen, that she introduced me to him. That was 10 years ago. 
10 years ago. And now she's going for God in the local church. God wants to use you to reflect him to others, just like he used Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had no idea fully what they were going to face. They even said it to the king. Listen, we trust in God. We trust that he'll save us. We trust that he'll be with us. But even if, even if he doesn't pull through and we end up dying in that furnace, we're not going to bow down to you. We're not going to call you king. And the reality is, guys, that the world will continually tell you that you'll face, you'll find your worth and your true satisfaction, the love and acceptance and belonging that each of us are desiring and looking for. You'll find it in the world. You'll find it in a relationship. You'll find it when you get the right job and a great car. You'll find it when you finally get those trainers that you've been begging for you'll find that feeling and that worth that true satisfaction belonging and acceptance but just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said we are not going to bow down to the things of this world we are not going to bow down to you as king we are not going to bow down to this gold statue even if it costs us our lives we will only bow down to the one true God It requires a response from us. It required a response from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a choice. Don't get it wrong here. They had a choice. They could have absolutely gone with it. Not faced the penalty of death. But when we chase after Jesus, it causes a response from others. This king looking on thought, what in the world I'm telling you that if you don't bow down to me, I'm going to throw you into this fiery furnace and you're going to die. It causes other people to respond. Just like the king. As they walked out of that space, he then says, he then declares, your God is the highest of all of the gods. The highest of all of the gods. When we chase after Jesus, it evokes a response from him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego enter the fire. And they're standing with them. Many believe as Jesus. Standing with them in the fire. 